Welcome to the Grow Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you who are dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that you've unfortunately experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm your host. I'm a growth evangelist, as well as a fellow widower. I lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, five years ago. My guest today is Carolyn Moore. She is the president, founder, and development director of the Modern Widows Club. She was widowed on Valentine's Day of 2000, two young daughters to raise, and she did that solo. Uh, Carolyn struggled to find mentors, resources, and she needed a model, the healing and growth she desperately sought in the stage of widowhood that she was in, and this inspired her for her new purpose, which was to create the Modern Widows Club. And she did that back in 2011. She's gonna talk about the success of that organization and what that could mean for us maybe to model that as our mentor for the men and the widowers. She's a successful speaker, author, a TEDx speaker. She is the thought leader of the healthy widow movement. And we're here to explore some of her research and to learn from her on how to heal. Welcome, Carolyn Moore. Great to be here, Tom. Thank you awesome. so much. Well, first, I want to learn a little bit about Valentine's Day 2000 um, and your personal journey with grief. Mm. Yes. <clears throat> well, I don't think anyone wants to lose the person they, they love on Valentine's Day. Um, I actually have met some other ladies who that has happened to. So it's been a very interesting part of my journey. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all go out to dinner and believe that we had the best date of our life. I was fortunate. I was um, in a wonderful marriage and uh, business partnership, actually, as a designer and him as an architect. But that evening, you know, we were just right downtown by the courthouse and where that S-curve is, mm -hmm. had a hit and run driver uh, crash into our car. And it caused us to spin out of control as he was trying to control the with them coming into the lane and um, we hit a light pole right across oh, from goodness. and the pole came down and hit his head. Oh. So I ended up being the only survivor of the car accident and also the first responder. So it was extremely traumatic. I really up until that point had no real trauma happen in my life. It was, we were 36 years old and uh, kind of, had our dream life. Yeah. So, um, because I was a nurse in my twenties, I actually knew how to respond, uh, triage in that moment, but you're also a person's wife. <laughs> and also and so, hurt yourself, I would imagine too. You know, you don't even realize if you're yeah. hurt or not. I honestly didn't even realize I had blood on me yeah. until I got to the hospital. Um, so sorry. It's it's interesting how the brain protects you in a lot of ways in mm -hmm. traumatic moments like that. But um, just a complete shock. I, I think my grief journey was as messy as it gets. I think that was ordained somewhat by God that you're going to have the worst experience somehow uh, setting me onto the trajectory of where I am today. Gosh, it just makes me emotional just thinking about it because that's how that's how trauma works, right? You 
you don't want to go back to think about those moments, but they're that close. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what's so hard about grieving people is they work so hard not to make this happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a lot of mental fortitude and a lot of men emotional regulation in order for that to happen. But it's there. Yeah. It's always there. We're, we're simply working through it. So, you know, for me, losing my best friend, um, your business my, partner. Work, yeah, yeah, my business partner, the, my daughters were only two and four years old, like you said, and I had no family in town. We, mm. we moved to Winter Park to work here. And so it was, uh, it's just shattering, shattering, yeah. disorienting, um, I was scared of everything. I was a completely confident woman. And in the next moment, it was like everything was obliterated. Mm -hmm. so it's, I had no frame of reference for that even remotely happened for me, even though my mother had been widowed two years before. Yeah. I had no idea. I wasn't yeah. there for her. I was clueless to um, the anguish mm -hmm. that, widowhood brings into your life and how many, every aspect of your life it touches. So nothing stays the same. And I always like to think of it as like, you know, those, um, those mobiles, like a mobile, um, mm -hmm. you move one thing and everything moves. That's what widowhood is like. <laughs> everything is moving and, and the anxiety and stress that that causes is, um, and you don't know where any of the pieces are going. There's kind of like just this randomness to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking for this, this grounding, you know, yeah. this centering point because your life is spinning out of control. And, um, and so what's that going to be right yeah. for some people, it's their faith. Um, I, I was lucky. I went to new hope for kids in Maitland, which I was mm -hmm. on the board there for 12 years. And I discovered a language for grief. Yeah. But then I left a year later. I was still in brain fog. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just yeah. I was so lost. Now, I was so lost. Yeah. Now that inspired you, though, because you were lost. Um, you did have some resources. I'm sure the neighbor neighbors and friends rallied around you. And but after a while, it becomes difficult because no one knows the situation that you're in, and some of the resources that are valuable short term, they don't help with the longer term healing. And so same with me, I kind of looked around and said, okay, everyone was here through the trauma part of it. And mm -hmm. now I've got this life to pick up and my kid's life to pick up. Mm -hmm. um, where's the resources? Where's the help? But that was an inspiration for you. Tell, mm -hmm. tell us about kind of where you got the spark to start the Modern Widows Club and what it's all about. Um, I think becoming um, widowed makes you a naturally more compassionate and empathetic person. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly am more now than I feel like I was before. I think I had a little bit of an arrogance about myself and, you know, I kind of knew how to do life because I was doing it so well. Mm -hmm. Then this comes along and it's like, okay, now what? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm a big people person. You know, we built a 50 person interior design firm because not only because we were talented, but because we knew people well. And mm -hmm. so I had that in my favor. And I thought, 
I just need to find other widows like me, raising kids, running businesses, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, rebuilding their life. And I found that to be extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and so that's where the hopelessness starts coming in because you, you, you don't know where to find them. This was before social media. I mean, I was widowed before September 11th. Yeah. So the idea of young widows was one type military. <laughs> and so I, I felt and like an alien. Mm -hmm. And so I thought if I could find other women like me, then I could have hope. And I could ask them a lot of um, really hard questions, you know, dating, yeah. uh, babysitting. How do you meet, bring men into your life? Yeah. How do you trust them with girls? Um, it, it really deep, deep questions. And it, it took me 10 years. It took wow. me, I really didn't find the mentors that I needed. I found a lot of women coming to me, partly because of being on TLC, on Oprah, a lot of influx, mm -hmm. but I couldn't find, so I became mm -hmm. what I needed, which was a mentor and a role mm -hmm. model. And that's really, that's really what happened is I went, well, if there wasn't a lot of resources for to reduce my suffering maybe I can reduce someone else's suffering and that will bring great purpose and fulfillment and meaning in my life. And, and it has, it has. And I just started with two ladies here, literally right here in my home. <laughs> and when you see someone's suffering lesson and you're shouldering it while you're companioning them and holding the space, a whole new magical world opens up <laughs> that you don't know exists until yeah. you're, in those intimate conversations where um, you, you get it, there's so much you don't have to say in that environment. And there's so much you can say mm -hmm. with that non-judgmental um, sort of just um, conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Just being there's there so much with hand to hold. Yeah, outside in society and everywhere we go. And then you get into an environment of people where the, like the heart's beating in the same pace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh. Well, I, I know for to... you and the mentors, just like for mm -hmm. me, that there was a lot of healing that actually came out of that service um, to where mm -hmm. there were things that I probably didn't process until I started to hear from other people. I started to realize, wow, I, I still have some work to do here, there, the other, or, you know, you learn almost as much from those situations and the sharing as yeah. the gift of healing that you wind up giving as trying to be the mentor. So the mentee sometimes is helping the mentor as much as the mentor is helping the mentee. Absolutely. It's reciprocal indeed. Yeah. And, and if you study the resilient science, the giving back portion is the last part of the healing cycle. Mm -hmm. And so that is, it's documented, it's studied. Yeah. So if you get to that point and you step into that, then you're going to um, receive uh, blessings that you never even knew existed. Mm -hmm. So that's why group is so important. I still today, I, I don't, everything that I have learned, I have learned from widows. I'm always very clear about that. <laughs> this PhD in uncommon knowledge that I have is directly from <laughs> tens of thousands of widows yeah. sharing with me. 
I love it. And talk about the organization just a little bit. You didn't give us kind of the, the overview of it. It yeah. How is it organized? How many women are a part of it? We have about 50,000 women um, that we know of mm -hmm. uh, in our organization. Uh, Modern Widows Club is really a women's health organization focused on widows. And uh, we really do a lot of awareness and advocacy around why women mm -hmm. in widowhood would be considered a health crisis. Um, even though uh, the Homes and Raised Social Readjustment Scale uh, lists all these different life events and gives them an actual um, stress score, mm -hmm. and losing a spouse is number one. It's yeah. 100 points. And so if you look at everything on that list, I mean, most people, when I explain it, I have to say, you know, have you ever gone through a divorce? Well, that was 73 points. Uh, have you ever had a baby? I mean, everyone believes, you know, the most stressful thing is having a baby. 39 points. Mm -hmm. Losing a spouse is, is beyond all of that stress, but it's all of the smaller secondary losses compounded. Mm -hmm. But if you get up to about 300 stress points, you have an 80% chance of becoming ill within the first two years. That's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. even if it's not the 300, even if it's just maybe the loss of the spouse plus one or two of these other items, which include mm -hmm. moving the home, you know, mm -hmm. moving because you can't yeah. be in the house anymore. Um job change, which a lot of us go through afterwards. The job yep. that we're in wasn't suitable for now a sole parent livelihood. Um, the change of friend groups, you know, all of these are points that essentially add up. And even if it's over 150, you've got a, a what, a over 50% chance of yeah. getting sick yeah, yourself and, and facing a health crisis yourself within two years. So what you're saying is that not only is it the most stressful, but it also has all of these compounding elements to it. And that then affects our health. Yet we sure. know that many of us have kids and we have to be there for those children. And right. how do we get rid of those stressors? Well, there aren't very many support groups. I know, Carolyn, when I started to do some research, <laughs> I looked on Amazon. I'm like, all right, let me find some books. And I found a couple, you know, Widower's Journey and uh, the first yep. 365 and a lot of great folks, um, Widower to Widower, that I've gotten to interview on the program and just great authors. You know, mm -hmm. those are three that I could name. There's another one, the group for, okay, five, maybe six. Um, there's more books on how to date a widower than actually how to help a widower, <laughs> which I found really interesting. <laughs> well, that goes back to the, the statistics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Definitely. Um, and um, talk about those statistics a little bit. So I know that you do research at the Modern Widows Club on widows mostly, but you've got some interesting facts that you've also collected about widowers. Yeah, the widowers. Well, first of all, you know, anytime we, we go and anytime I go and talk to someone, I have to go and, and talk. I have to know how many widows are either in their county or city, mm -hmm. um, if it's at a state level or if it's national. Um, but like widowers, I, I have the um, information here. So I always like to start close to home. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm a think local. I mean, act local, think local. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we can 
we can enact change here in our local communities, that exponentially is going to ripple out. So just here in Orange County, which is where Modern Widows Club started and where we mm -hmm. live. Right? Yeah, and where I live um, as well. There's yep. 8,418 widowers. Wow. Okay, so going back to the dating question here, but you have 36.5 thousand widows in wow. this county. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about the widow and widower dating question yeah, yeah, later. Yeah, the potential there, yeah. The odds here are definitely in the guy's favor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you don't find someone or know anyone in your county, how about your city? So here we go to Orlando. 20,000.3 widowers in Orlando area, 80,000.5 or widows. Yeah. Women. Think about that. That's like a whole town. Like, yeah. yeah, that's a Crazy. whole town or large town for the women. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. and then on the state level too, when you, I taught you this, do you remember? Yeah. It's 256,000 <laughs> in, in Florida. Yes. And then for women, it's 914,000. Yeah. Almost a million. Wow. And yet some of the research that, I've, you know, when I go over and I research widowers, nonprofits on GuideStar, there's like hardly anything. If you actually research widows, okay, so now you know the statistics and you think, mm -hmm. well, there's this many widows. There's only 2,300 nonprofits registered. Um, almost half of those are not active, mm -hmm. meaning they have no money. They have, they're not funded. They're not operating. Yeah. In the state of Florida, we have nine, we have 62 widows, nonprofits. I do not know if they serve widowers, mm -hmm. but out of 101 of those are inactive. Yeah. The, the issue here is 23 of those are global. So they're mm -hmm. not even serving widows in this state or country. Yeah. Then you've got 18 that are military, which I don't actually know how many widowers or military, but I know for women, it's 450,000 yeah. out of the 13 million widows in this country. So it's a small or group, mm -hmm. but then the local and the national is the smallest. And Modern Widows Club is literally the only organization in the state of Florida, this city, and this county. And wow. we're supposed to serve that weight. Yeah, And it's just impossible. And so I think that if the widow, if the widows organizations like ours can break through and, and get the funding we need to be able to serve more um, men and women, mm -hmm. we can cope, right? Yeah. We can say men have needs too. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, we, we have um, a petition on change.org and we talk about how um, Mother's Day and Father's Day were both inspired by a widow and a widower. And most hmm. people don't even know I that. didn't know that. No, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will certainly draft after your success there and, <laughs> and are here to help when, when you figure that out, because we're yes. just learning as a, as a new yeah. organization. Now, I know that the biggest aspect of what you provide is community, right? Mm -hmm. The ability for, you know, the local groups that you have and the local mentors. Talk about that and why it's so important, like for us as widowers to kind of get mm. involved. Uh, isolation and depression 
um, and just the suffering around that loneliness mm -hmm. can be combated with community. Uh, but if there isn't a community, and then communities have to be led, you, mm -hmm. me, lots of other people who step up, right? Um, what we found at MWC is, yes, we want communities, but how do we run those communities? So then we mm -hmm. had to actually create a um, an advocacy and leadership development mm -hmm. program. We're the, literally the only organization in the world that has, an, and, and that's what I just recently wrote my book about, is yeah. little mentoring and leadership, how to use your gifts. So it's it, 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 it kind of evolved. You know, it went to, I'm going to reduce someone's suffering. Gosh, there's a lot of people with suffering. Gosh, how do we serve more? Oh, we need mm -hmm. to have leaders in these particular areas. And then you create this ripple effect of advocacy and awareness. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, it's messy, you know, because people are volunteers and they come and go. Um, but the, the impact, the health impact is tremendous. I mean, we know that when widows come to our programs, um, we survey them and like 64% increase in ho being hopeful. Yeah. That's, that's a big number. I mean, we underestimate the, the, health, the negative health impact of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And hopelessness runs rampant in the widowhood world. Yeah. So if we can get people out, we can get them to places where they are in healthy environments, mm -hmm. not all <laughs> places widows and widowers go are, are healthy, mm -hmm. right? And you have to define what is healthy. You've done an ex extremely good job. Actually, and when we first met, we met at Crosby because I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to meet at my gym. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the life. We know yeah. that you have to do that. And you get out, you do something healthy, you meet new people, you re-enter life. Yeah. That's how you rebuild your life. So community is, um, you know, for me at my church, there was no widow's community. And, and the one luncheon I went to, I was literally the youngest person there. Yeah, yeah. So it A lot of people share that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a fit for me. So another level of struggle where I was like, we need to make it all ages. Uh, for us, it's all faiths. Mm -hmm. um, it's all social economic status. There's so many stories I could share, but it's the beauty is in the diversity of our mm -hmm. community. Um, I love that. And I think that's probably one of the greatest gifts that I've been given is really to see the broader perspective from around the world and from different cultures and say, yeah. you know what though? We all have this innate ability to, activate our resilience. And if you're in the right environment, it comes natural. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Carolyn. Now we mentioned briefly widow, widower. Now, a lot of us as widowers, a lot of widower brothers have expressed, you know, it's hard sometimes when I'm dating someone who's been divorced or maybe they haven't been there with, with a divorce. They've never been married before, you know, relating mm -hmm. back to someone who's a widow or a widower, it can be difficult because there was mm -hmm. still love for that person when they left us. And in a divorce situation, that love is in most instances gone. Uh, and in fact, mm -hmm. it's replaced with anger and a lot of other things. So completely different set of issues, circumstances, a lot of things like that. And a lot of them have said, 
wow, I think, you know, dating a widow would be a lot better in some situations than dating someone who's been through a divorce or, or maybe has mm -hmm. never been married before. What are your thoughts on that? I, I definitely think the emotional, the, the emotional um, relation to understanding um, the struggles, understanding the triggers, understanding the depth of, uh, and the, and the, and the fact that grieving is loving. Okay? Mm -hmm. Grieving someone does not take away the love that you have that's new and mm -hmm. different for mm -hmm. someone else. Someone who's widowed is going to grasp that concept a little bit quicker because, see, we don't have all the the guilt and, and you know, the anger most of the time from maybe a divorce situation. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not saying every situation is like that, but there's usually um, not every everyone is amicable. Our mm -hmm. our separation was um, not optional. It was chosen mm -hmm. for us. And so there is that sort of ground where you get to have that level of conversation. Um, and, and, and we talk about, we have a dating club at Modern Widows Club specifically for this reason, mm -hmm. because the, the, the idea of becoming vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, which is what you have to do when you look into me, see, um, is scary because you've mm -hmm. had to already be so vulnerable in your widowhood experience. And you've already put up all these walls, you know, to protect yourself, to survive, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an yeah, easier. The unfortunate thing too is a lot of a relationship with someone who um, understands that fear. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so, um, I think they're able to drop their ego a little bit, drop their mm -hmm. pride a little bit, <laughs> um, access that vulnerable side and, and men typically need a partner to heal. I mean, mm -hmm. statistically men widowers will remarry two to three years. That's just yeah. based on the U.S. Census Bureau. For women, they like to heal and then repartner. So mm -hmm. if women remarry, they remarry somewhere between six to seven years. So men heal differently. It's just the way we're made. Um, so repartnering sometimes will um, produce certain experiences where it opens men up, right? Men... Yeah. Where women, we would just cry with each other all day long. <laughs> we have no problems going there in the vulnerable space. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's maybe, I think it would be really great to do a study on widows and widowers at around like a four and five year range because they're getting closer and closer ready. I mean, no such thing exists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think it would just be a very interesting um, study to do. And yeah. To see what the benefits are. Yeah. 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 What about you? I I think that there's definitely some challenges with um, sometimes with who you're dating, accepting that there's still love mm -hmm. and still honoring and still some of those things that need to be done. And there's always this push and pull between honoring the past and making sure you're yeah. not hung up on that so you can advance to the future, but also making sure that you're still honoring that because it is such a big experience in your life that still needs to be treasured and honored and not forgotten when a lot of times you'll get in a relationship and they want to yeah. kind of wipe it clean um, for various reasons. Um, if I, that I was even seen, possible. 
Yeah, yeah, as if it was ever possible. Like like you, you know, I mean, when you're telling your story, you know, and then you start to do the math, it's 20 some odd years ago. Um, but I'm sure for you, when you're retelling it, it's triggering the synapses that make it appear like it was yesterday. And the same it's, thing can happen to me five years on. So. Well, I, um, I have never actually dated a widower. In, I have in not either. <laughs> Or on the widow's side, yeah. Right? So yeah. that's, um, I don't know why, um, but I can tell you my experiences has been um, mainly divorced men, of course, mm -hmm. um, and obviously single, never married. And there is this lack of understanding. There is this lack of, guess what? The anniversary's coming. I have to attend to my daughters because now they're in a stage where they're 20 and they understand what I lost. Mm -hmm. it's, it's even different for them. Yeah. And so it's not going away. You have to have some, you have to have a partner who is really loves you through even those moments. And the most successful mm -hmm. relationships I have seen are when the families from all, the deceased family, the new families coming together, all get together and are extremely unselfish. Yeah. And they mm -hmm. let the couple decide for themselves. And then they're a really tight unit. And then everyone else has to align with them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I have, have seen. I know it's possible. See, mm -hmm. that's the beauty of having a community. You know, it's possible. So, yeah, yeah. so many successful stories like that. So I think that's part of not giving up. If you're looking for a partner is that it, you need to be around other people who have been successful and found mm -hmm. it, whatever mm -hmm. way that is. I agree. And children are another big aspect that I know are near and dear to your heart as you begin to minister to, you know, kind of look at their health now, right? As part of your mission. Talk about yeah, the we're children and some of the things that you've learned there in the short time that you've been kind of starting to focus on that and your own experiences. Well, you know, these widow empowerment events that we do every year where we have hundreds of widows come, we, the daughters wanted to come with their moms. Mm -hmm. um, widows do not want to travel by themselves typically or, or stay in hotel rooms or just do anything new for the first mm -hmm. time. So daughters were showing up. And so now we've actually created a legacy club. They named it. They And now the daughters are, we had 15 daughters come to our last event in Scottsdale. And I think it's just going to continue to grow. I I was interviewed by a daughter yesterday from Hofstra University, mm -hmm. and she taught me. I mean, she was interviewing me, but at the end, she taught me so much more. I went, oh, my gosh, through her eyes of how her mother's being treat, treated, what her mother's having to unnecessarily go through, the pain, the helplessness of the people that love you, your your children. So support for them. Oh, another huge gap, huge yeah, gap. Yeah. If we could get to the point where we started supporting widows and widowers and that immediate circle, honestly, I, I think we'd go back to the spirituality of indigenous cultures mm -hmm. and what community do you actually really meant? You come on board to help those in distress. Yeah. Um, and you aren't scared to talk about death. You know, the immortality of this body and spirit is, is, does have an expiration. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about it in a much more spiritual way that it's going to happen. And how do we be better prepared? And I think the the daughters are going to, well, they already are, 
becoming more aware. Yeah. They're going to have different conversations with their partners. And I, and I'm, I'm proud that we're a part of that, but it was really the daughters themselves that started speaking up and saying, my mom needs this. How do I, how do I help my mom? How do I help? Yeah. And we saw that niche. Yeah. Yeah. I love your aspect of community of the indigenous and not being af afraid of those death conversations, being mm -hmm. able to embrace those who have lost instead of not knowing what to do with them, which is how I'm sure we felt a lot of times through it. Um, you know, God bless people wanted to help, but a lot of times I don't think they knew how to because as a community, we're just not addressing it. So I love what you're doing, Carolyn, and please keep, keep it going. And we look to um, learn from you and your mentorship and, and what the Modern Widows Club is doing and mimic that for the, the widowers. Um, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to give to our widowers, our growth warriors today? <laughs> well, I, I believe that lived experiences um, that are shared, especially in, in difficult times, creates wisdom. You know, time and wisdom, walking alongside someone um, in their pain brings immeasurable gifts, Right. And so stepping into those spaces, you, you are going to be gifted, but mm -hmm. if you're not there and you're not present, you don't get the gift. And so that's how we create really wise people is that we, we embrace this whole life and death um, experience and that actually activates our humanity. So, so step into groups, take um, that action because that action will actually make you feel better. So, yeah. Wise advice. Thank you so much, Carolyn. If you liked what you heard, please hit the like button. Uh, subscribe so you can keep up to date on the latest episodes. We'll include information about the Modern Widows Club and ways to contact Carolyn on the meeting notes. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.